0: we got a little quick reschedule here mike was having a challenge with getting on to the show but we're here anyway we're going to talk we're just going to come off the top of the head tonight and just come up with something for you something that we've been dealing with with a lot of quotes a lot of opportunities and self-funding and i think we might have to do this this topic on a quarterly basis to help people understand <laughs> a little bit a little bit more about uh self funding here. My name is usual John Sprock, what heads up advisor. My co-host.
1: Hoorah. Hey, we're talking fishing, hunting and drinking beer tonight. Yeah, tonight.
0: Tonight we're going fishing. We're going to be talking about setting the hook with the prospect client whoever it is. You have to set the hook to sell self funding, okay? That being said, let's say hello to the crowd here. Got a couple people joining us. Lance, Assey, Margo, David, Allison, Spencer, John Clay, Ray Cobert. What's up, everybody? So, like I said, setting a hook, guys, what you have to understand in the self-funded world is I, I learned a lot in the first couple of years of failing miserably, trying to sell it, although I got lucky in some cases because I had competitive rates, but This is not a right sale when you're taking fully insured to sell funding. Again, in the beginning, I got lucky where I got some people that were writing cases that they shouldn't have been writing, and they blew up later on them. But that wasn't really my problem. That was the insurance carrier's problem for underpricing them. But that's another story. So the reality is is what you have to understand is is you can't go into a prospect, you can't go in the client talking about, you're just going to save money, you're going to pay less. Because they're, what they're going to translate that to is, I'm going to pay less the first year. I'm going to pay less out the gate. The numbers you're going to show me are cheaper because what are they used to seeing, Craig? They're used to seeing... mature
1: first year rates.
0: Well, they're used to seeing a spreadsheet with numbers on it. And let's point to who is the cheapest on the spreadsheet. So, you know, we talk about, and, and we're going to talk about it at high stakes advising. We've got a producer that did a million dollars of production in one year, selling, self-funding, selling the longer play, the longer story, not selling on rates. Zach's going to be covering that as well, kind of a, more of a template, uh, I would say, presentation that we can just give to you and walk you through some of the things to make it very easy for you to transition them to self-funding, the story, uh, the products we have, we'll talk about later. But what's most important is the first meeting. What are you discussing with them when it comes to self-funding? One thing I could tell you is less is more. I was in the beginning, I tried to tell them everything. It was like, I got to tell them everything. I could tell them everything I know, and which what would usually happen is i blow the sale. Fire hose. <laughs> Fire hose. Fire hose. Exactly. I would tell them more than I need to know. I was excited, and as I kept going and going. I realized, well, they don't need to know that. And I keep getting questions around that. And that probably is killing the sale when in reality, they don't really need to know that. They don't know everything about fully insured and how fully insured works, right? Do they know how fully insured They don't insured know a damn rep-
1: thing about any of it, right? So our analogy to set the hook, right? Set the hook, guys. John Clay, we go out fly fishing out there in the bluegrass state of Kentucky. We might be sipping on a little fireball whiskey or something but we don't go fly fishing and take a bunch of worms salmon eggs night crawlers lures we we don't take the wrong tools with us to go fly fishing we need flies to go fly fishing so what john's telling you is too many of you guys are out there and you're fishing with the wrong bait you know you got to get through the learning curve look we're getting rfps right we're getting rfps with six thousand dollar pepy and you all are out there trying to quote self-insurance. That's it, It's crazy.
0: Yeah, what he means by uh, fishing with the wrong bait, too, is is you're fishing with rates. I had some discussions recently, and people are asking, I'm trying to assist them with a call, help sell the strategy. And they're saying, well, let's get competitive rates first. And that's not the way to sell self-funding. Do you have to have a competitive rate that's in the range of fully insured to take it over? Yeah, absolutely. To an extent, yes. But the reality is, is as I went along in selling self-funding, because that's all I did when I started the agency 2014 was, I'm just going to go in with the shtick of self-funding because nobody knows it. This is what I'm going to hook everybody with. And I learned to tell the story better as I went along. But everything was about selling the longer-term play of this, right? They're in that 12-month cycle. You're a business owner. Especially, you know, this is easier conversation, obviously, with the business owner. CFO it's sometimes harder because they care about what's happens today. Uh, but with the business owner, it's very simple. Most of you on here are business owners. Did you really make any money in the first three to five years? Probably not. You didn't really expect it because you get putting money in to grow the company. So you ask them is, are you going to be in business in five years? How about 10 years? Yeah, so why don't we look at a strategy that would work better? over a 10-year period, which you plan on being business for. Would that make sense, Mr. Employer? Yes, great. That makes sense to me. Uh, Let me talk to you about a different strategy that you may not have seen or don't understand really how it works. And then you can go into your shtick, whatever you're comfortable with, discussing and bring it up. But going through the self-funding story, the long-term play, talking to them the way they need to be talked to, Right, A business owner wants to talk about long-term because they're a business owner. They understand the game is to play longer-term, chasing the longer money, not the short money. And at some point, you're going to tell them, is this right for you? Is this what you're looking to do? Is this a strategy you want to – you're shedding the hook to get them excited about what's to come and how much money you can save them over a long period of time and have control. Mr. Employer, how would you like to have control of – the fluctuations over the next five to 10 years and not come in blind every year.
1: You're painting a good picture, John. Look, this is the way I call it. Hey, what's the name of that movie where they're all in the hot tub and they like go back in time, hot tub, time machine, Hot, hot tub. time machine. All right. Here's the hot tub time machine from John and Craig. 1988, John, 1988. Yeah. Were you even born then? I was barely, barely. John was in diapers. John was, uh, drinking some milk. So, 1988, I used to talk to employers That's the first, uh, something like that, 87, 88, I sold my first self-insured plan, and we talked about what was the total, you know, I was a, my head was very pointed back then, and I talked about the total cost of ownership, and I'm like, how do you want to finance the healthcare expense? Now, 1988, let me take you back in time for those kids out there who don't know what it looked like, (laughs) PPOs were new, 1988, you could buy a 100% PPO plan, because the whole world had been 80-20 forever, Fixed indemnity, and then they came up with the usual customary, and reasonable, and then they came out with these PPOs with 100%, but you couldn't go to everybody, right? They were new, so they didn't have these gigantic networks. Drug cards, PCS, brand new. Drug cards, shit. You just have a – it was a $1 copay back then. $3 copay was huge, but most of them were zero. And, of course, pharmacy was 1% of spend. And so the conversation we'd have, I'd paint a picture of just what you were saying, Are you going to be in business? Are you going to be growing? Wouldn't you like to fund your healthcare expense based on the way you look 60 to 90 days ago? And we talked about what's the total cost of ownership doing it this way versus that way. Sold my first case, selling the story of what's it going to look like for you? Are you confident? Do you have cash flow? How would you prefer to finance it? Prepaid to some black box where they don't tell you shit, where you have zero freaking control or pay as you go, where you have total control.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's a good point is, is is do you want to have control of what, you, what you're just talking about? Because they do the in things of their business. Business owners like control. They like to be able to save money on de- different items of their business, and it allows them to do that from a self-funded standpoint. But what we're trying to get across to you is is you don't need to tell them everything. You need to sell the strategy in the first meeting. What the setting the hook means is they're already sold on the strategy, So the rates are not the determining factor. I want to repeat that. The rates are not what sells the program in self-funding. They're not the determining factor. So when you have the strategy sold to them, they're hot for the strategy. They already want to go there. You just got to make the numbers work, you know, plus or minus 10% here. You can't just imagine you're going to get a rate that's the same as fully insured. Do you understand what a corridor is? So if you don't understand what a corridor is, basically what that means is if they expect a million dollars in claims, we have to build in a pad of 25%. So it's 1.25 million in claims plus fixed cost. If you match up a fully insured as underwritten to a self-funded, it's going to be typically 10% more on a maximum cost basis. Fully insured, the great Hobbs and Carroll taught me, They can go plus or minus 4%. That's their margin they need to make. Self-funded, there's a bigger margin that needs to be made. It's more closer to 15%. So as an employer, what you're doing is you're taking a risk of 25% more on claims to do what? To save maybe 25% off expected. That's the whole goal. You need to explain that to them that it's not going to stack up exactly like fully
1: insured. Right. So you can stick your head in the sand prepay the carrier, and whatever shit happens, happens, right? And then they're going to tell you that they need a a larger rate increase than they actually do because that's what insurance companies do. And you're going to live with it, and every single employee in your company is going to pay more, and they're never going to moonwalk that back. Everybody will pay more forever. And the the second year from now, that trend will be set based on the higher rate that the insurance company said they forecasted was needed, plus 20% VIG, just to be safe, because they're the insurance company, they're playing with your reserves, you know. or you explain to them what John just said. If they're setting the rates at 125% of what they expect, then it's really imperative that you take advantage of your funding strategy that allows you to control cost. It gives you the ability to have certainty on what things are going to cost. You all know the laundry list, the ingredients that go into the five-star meal. We don't need to discuss that tonight, but if you can work some magic with the buyer on how they can impact the number, size, and frequency of claims with all that cool stuff that you guys do, then you can make sure that the claims are below expected. And if that's the case, then the worst case scenario of the ag, which is above the fully insured, should never materialize. If you're wrong, you've pre-sold the client, the prospect, on the expectations that this is a multi-year strategy. And while you may lose in any one year in general, you will win the majority of the time. That's more than 50% of the time. So do you want to have the ability to put yourself in a position to control your costs with certainty? The only mechanism to do that is by being partially self-insured. And so the fact that you might have an opportunity cost it's what I used to call it, an opportunity cost of 10 or 15% more, worst case scenario, you eliminate all the possibility and probability and likelihood that those expenses can happen unexpectedly by putting in all the cool strategies that they're willing to install in the first year. I used to call it, you want incremental or transformational. I had three steps. I don't remember what it was, but it was incremental, change, right? Okay, here's the list of things we could do incrementally. And then it, well, there was something in between, and then transformational, right? RBP, transformational. But understand there's going to be some noise, right? Paint the picture. We've all been there. John's told you stories before about not addressing the transformational potential consequences and how the operations level non PL manager, AKA HR, is going to come back and bite you in the ass because of the noise. So if you do all of this stuff and paint the picture, you're going to give the buyer. Certainty that number one, you're an authority. You know what the hell you're talking about, and number two, they're going to have confidence. That's all anybody buys from you is confidence and certainty. So you got to paint the picture. They'll understand if you explain to them why the first year is an aberration. It's a, it's a magic show. When I see these knuckleheads on LinkedIn posting, we're six months in and we're already thirty two percent down. You know, it's like, please stop talking. I see Let people, the adults I talk. see
0: people giving presentations. Four months, five months into the policy year, talking about results and that we're on track to save X. How could you How could you project anything four months in with a 45- to 60-day claims lag? Do you understand how long it takes for a claim to come to the TPA on average? It takes 44 days on average, point to point, to get the claim. Remember that.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was just reading some of the notes from people. I like yeah. Spencer said lease versus buy. Lease what versus do you want to do? Yeah. Yeah, buy, build, rent, lease, buy. Yeah, whatever language you want. Don't get lost on the bigger message, guys and gals. The bigger message is to paint the picture to the client with all the warts and all the moles. And so that when they buy, they understand that, hey, at the end of the year, we had this preemie baby on a calendar year plan, December 10th. There's nothing anybody could do about it. So they understand the bigger picture, and they go, I get it, right? It was just a random shock loss. But while they may give me a laser on that one person, because now it's no longer an unknown risk, it's a known risk, that's okay because the rest of my group isn't getting screwed by the insurance company who on a fully insured plan would jack the rates up on the whole case, right? And so you have the ability to walk through All the worst-case scenarios, not all of them, but you don't understand my point, walk through and paint them a picture of what this is like 11 months from now when we are are doing the renewal meeting. You can't lose. I see Eric Schulman
0: just joined us. Eric, do me a favor. If you want to call in, call with my cell phone right now. I'll plug you into the show so they can hear you. I know you have some insight on talking about this in strategy, so don't be shy. Call in to the cell here. If anybody else wants to join in, I'll put my cell phone down here.
1: Yeah. Make a comment. If
0: you have, if you have an idea of, cause we're, we're spitballing. We, we had a trouble with the, our guest, and we're just going off the top today and things that happen on a regular basis in, in the business here. And the reality is, is it's something that not as many people as we'd hope understands. And that's okay. Everybody just needs to continue to get better at that conversation. If you're having it on a regular basis, How about questions in the meeting? Let's talk about that for a second.
1: Yeah. Hey, how's your cash flow? Do you want to be put in the opportunity to win in this thing called, you know, healthcare? Right? When I got out of college, I wanted to be a financial planner. There were no real jobs in financial planning. You were either a stockbroker. I remember my interview. My interview for Prudential Bates, they handed me a phone, literally. It's the only thing on the desk. A phone and a phone book. And they went, this is your training program. (laughs) you dial for dollars. It wasn't illegal back then. Or you started the insurance side. And so I couldn't go home on Friday nights until I had 15 scheduled appointments. They didn't care if I was there till 10 o'clock at night. And so you had to learn, you know, 14 ways to get into the door. And so it was always about different storylines and different ways to reach the buyer. When you're talking about fully insured versus self-insured, you know, we we uh, we did that we did that paper. Well, it wasn't a paper. It was a flyer, like 28. Oh, you think fully insured's less risk than self-funded? Here's 28 reasons why that's bullshit.
0: Oh, yeah. we got to get that page out. I don't even know if we released that yet.
1: Let's, I don't think let's we released it yet. Let me know if you guys want us to release that.
0: <laughs> if you guys want us to bring you on, let us know. Put your text down below. You know what? Here's Mike. Let's see. Mike, can we bring Mike into the show? Mike, are you there? Yeah. Mike Patton, welcome to the show. We sure we couldn't get you on, but hey, hey. We'll, we'll have you calling. Maybe that's what, that's what we'll right. do from now and just put yeah. a picture. Hey, of, you never
1: look better, Mike. Put a
0: picture of his uh, special face. We'll have to have Rich <laughs> swing that in. I got in. it to
2: work, by the way.
0: Oh, you did John, well, you. <laughs> well. We'll reconvene. Uh, we were just talking about bait and a hook, and I know we won't steal too much fire from the show. We'll have to we'll have to go out and record, but I know that you were similar to me in starting with self funding, and that was kind of your strategy. Talk to me about your conversation that you're having with an employer when you go in selling self-funding.
2: So when we go in and we sell self-funding, I mean, the first thing that we're trying to do is, I mean, obviously the most important thing, is, in my opinion, is always discovery. So, I mean, you've got to find out where the employer is at with their, you know, employee benefits at the moment and try to get a feel for that HR director or that CFOs understanding of benefits in general because you get a pretty wide range of uh, knowledge and familiarity with it Um, so that's always the first thing but uh, you know really what you try to do with self-funding and with these cost containment processes is help the employer come up with the conclusion that it is in their best interest to switch to said process And your goal really should be to make it the only option like the, And they've got to conclude that on your own. So you've got to kind of create your sales pitch in the manner that naturally leads them to that conclusion.
0: Yeah. Craig, uh, Craig was talking about that earlier. Craig, you mentioned even selling against.
1: Yeah, for sure. Sell it, sell against the partially self-funding. So you go, look, I see what this looks like, right? You've been buying healthcare for 10 years, 15, 20 years, right? It's normally bottom right hand corner, and we're coming to you going, Well, here's the six alternative quotes. This one we think is the best, and it also happens to be the cheapest rate. Bullshit. You told me that you want to be in control, you want to have a chance to win, and this is the only way to do it. And when you show them, can't control hospital, can't control surgical, can't control pharmacy, you buy a black box. They think they're doing you a favor. You're paying a bookmaker to prepay your bets with them. It's the dumbest thing ever. If you're the size that should be considering partially self-funding. So you paint in the picture and you go, this is what it looks like. Here's how we mitigate and reduce the probability of us, barring a shock loss. Hey, you talked about the... The, the bad thing that could happen, barring the shock loss, these are all the ways we can mitigate the risk so that we should be at expected or below, in which case then this is what we expect. And now let's look at this three to five years down the road, the total cost of ownership doing it this way versus blindfold me and, you know, pin the tail on the donkey and wait to get screwed.
0: One of the best ways to scare them or get them out of the way of that they're doing it now is just to ask them questions I always used to like play stupid in meetings and I would ask questions about different things in their, in their program that they don't know the answer to. What do you mean you don't know what you spent on pharmacy versus medical? Oh, you don't know? Oh, and you just – oh, you look down, you take a note, right? And you just keep asking questions and you build up this anger around the current program and so it's gone up every year. You know any reason why that is? Remember the questions we have in the script? What have you done to stop that? Are you comfortable continuing with that strategy? Yeah. Let's see if that sales book is over there. We could go through it. Ask him
1: a question that it's always good to be able to ask questions where you know that by the way you frame the words, they're going to draw conclusions that you want them to draw. For example, you're really good at just like laser, you know, you just like freaking hot butter knife, man. You're like, oh, oh, so you don't know how much the prescriptions were on the $3 million spent? Are you comfortable with that? Right, it's like well, so when was the last time you know your group had a rate decrease? The presumption being that your groups have rate decreases, right? they're like, uh, we've never had a rate decrease. So you know, you can you can manipulate people by the way you ask them questions, right? I do it all the time in yeah, you my gotta, talks, yeah, right?
0: You let, yeah, you're, for, you're great at that. I mean, you've got to get them thinking about all these. The outcome that the self-funded program or the program you're running provides, you can ask questions around that on their plan, meaning, yeah, when's the last time? Well, what I mean is, is you know, you paid X this year, but you paid, you know, 10, 15, 20 percent less the next year. You know, how often has that happened? You already know the
1: answer to the question. Yeah, That's why I mean, you asked yeah, it.
0: You're, and you're just you're, – you're baiting them to give you answers, like I always say, is – there, Craig's example is really good too, is just filling up the shotgun shells to shoot them back with it at the end of the meeting. I mean, the script we gave out of High Stakes Advising, if you're not using it, you're out of your mind, at least using some of the questions. Mike, what do you think?
2: Well, I think you're spot on there, John. I mean, if you, if you like the employers just don't know what they don't know. And so you have to slowly walk them to the point where they're saying, this is my only option because there's no way around it. I'm getting screwed. And like, like Craig just pointed out, I mean, it's pretty, you just have to have a very defined process of how you walk them to that conclusion on their own. And, you know, if you point out the three tactics that your standard broker has, which is we will increase your deductibles and co-insurance and co-pays and all that kind of stuff. will make the employees pay more for their insurance or we'll narrow the network. All of those suck for the employees. And that's those, are, you know, and, and so if you can walk them to, those are the only three options I've ever been given to lower my costs. What if there was something else to lower your costs? Yeah. They're going to be like, Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> you
0: know? yeah, I mean, you got to get them just angry. And, and, and if they're not, they're not ready to make a change or ready to move to do something to change. then they're just not a right prospect. That alone can get you uh, a pass on the meeting and get out to know that they're full of shit. The other question that the other thing we'll go into that you may want to even, I like to send this in advance to the meeting. I started doing it later. I don't really do retail anymore, but it was something that I did later on after I realized getting to the meeting that it was a waste of time with my pitch on self funding. And if they don't have a high P P Y, what's the likelihood of you getting better rates anyway, right? If the rate is, six thousand seven thousand ppy how much better can you know if you could save ten percent how much is it really on a total spend so in advance i would send a meeting hey just to just to make our meeting you know more efficient and productive can you just tell me these items how many are enrolled on the plan regardless of what my telemarketer would say because a lot of times it was always wrong hmm. how many employees they would have at the company? on how many are enrolled and about how much do you pay in Annual premium, right? That establishes the per employee per year cost. If the per employee year cost is six or seven thousand dollars, there's not much you can do. You don't have your stick anymore. Your stick is not self-funding. So now what are you playing with? You're playing with the odds that they hate the broker. That's it. That's real what are you going to go up against? You're going to quote another fully insured or maybe get maybe they're not showing an HSA compatible plan. You know, you're lessing your chances to close the account, but if you can pre-qualify them with some of these questions in advance, it just shoots it out of the gate. Another one is, Is Mr. Employer, are you aware of any high claimants? So when you're in the 50 to 150 marketplace, all it takes is one claimant. Eh, over 100, you can get by with it a little bit. But in the 50 to 100 space or even 25 to 100 space, all it takes is one guy to, to kind of disqualify you a lot of times. If your PEPY is 9,000 and you have a high claimant – you're really just not going to be able to do much from a self-funded standpoint if it's an ongoing condition. It's just more of a challenge, and it can disqualify them, and you can take your track because you may have a shtick in a track that you're going to go elsewhere. If you identify them early enough in the conversation, my shtick is not self-funding today because the worst thing is, and I've seen it with Craig multiple times, but the employer gives them the wrong information is, is Craig gets into his shtick, and then we find out later – Oh, they have a spousal carve-out, but they never They never
1: told you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, stuff happens. These people, you know, they operate in their own little world. They don't always know what jargon is. They don't recognize the terminology. They think of it in terms of something else. It's all right. It's all part of the learning curve. You know, I take every opportunity I can to, to position myself in ways that are manipulative to them. You know, it's what you have to do. You, They have to have confidence and certainty that you are an authority in what the hell you're talking about, because, you know, they already have someone they pay to quote unquote manage healthcare. And that person very likely hugs their consultant, advisor, broker, whatever. And so for you to interrupt that pattern, you need to have a real important and valuable proposition for them i'll give you a quick story i was talking to school district and pa uh last week yeah end of last week like thursday talking to him introduced by a broker yeah we just started open enrollment yesterday <laughs> i'm thinking to myself why the hell am i talking to her she was the business manager smart lady mad love to her we get done with the phone call she goes can we talk tomorrow Because I understand what it is you do, and I want to get this thing installed July 1. I know I already started open enrollment yesterday, but I'm going to be on the phone tomorrow with my boss. What time are you available? We talk the next day, Friday, talk to her and the boss. She says, I'm going to the board on the 18th of May. I'm going to sell this thing. I don't see any reason why we can't get this installed. Try to do that with an HSA or some really sexy, cool population health management. Or the favorite for many of you guys out there your predictive analytics on how you're going to tell people how the horse left the barn last year and why you can predict where they're going to go next year.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> if, we, if we jump over to, and this is these are disqualifying questions, questions to, to, to find out if this is going to be a right fit for what you're pitching. But again, to the point of the whole thing is setting the hook. Once you establish this in the meeting and you get them sold, if you can get the numbers to work in a favorable manner that are close to what fully insured is, You're going to have a better chance, and you're not dependent on rates. If you promise them certain rates and you don't get them, well, all they're thinking is rate. I'm rate-driven. You have to get them out of the rate-driven mindset with a self-funded policy because it doesn't work that way year one unless you sell them a 12-12 with TLO, which you can do. yeah, You can do that. That helps you get over the hiccup is this is what's going to be year one, but it's going to be delayed cash flow.
1: I was having a conversation today with a broker, and I said, look, hey. You have to try and break yourself of the habit. So an easy way to think about this, and the habit is that, and it's really, it's it's very uh, subtle and it's worked its way into our thinking and our psyche. And, and that is to always articulate everything that we do in the framework of savings. And so I was trying to explain to the broker, so just pretend for a moment that HR is on the phone with you. And you know they're talking about say they're saving they're saying the S word the savings word and you just fall right in step with them, and then it's it, it commoditizes you, and so you stop them for a minute and you go you know what I, I've been doing this a long time and nobody ever really wants an eleven percent savings what they want is what the eleven percent savings will do for them, so let's take a minute and take a deeper dive into. of your $3 million budget is $330,000. It's sitting there on the desk. What happens to it at the anniversary? Does the CFO take it all? Do we try and negotiate some of that to go to the human resources total rewards budget now? Do you get any of it? Is it going to be allocated towards wage increases to your employees next year so that when you give them a 3.62% rate increase, you don't immediately suck it back out of them because you jack up their health insurance premium rates and immediately get rid of the entire pay increase like 78% of employers have done for the last five years, according to the Commonwealth Fund study? What is it that you want from the 11% savings, the $330,000? Do you want to get a pay raise? Do you want to give your employees a pay raise? Do you want to do more training? Do you want to add employee benefits? Do you want to increase the 401k retirement plan contribution? Paint the picture and let them tell you. And what's it going to do to them? They're going to future pace themselves into the situation where I could go to my boss and say, we could expect $330,000 of savings. We'd like to get 33,000 of it. And you can keep the other 90%. Now, now, What do you think the HR person thinks of you and the conversation you're having down that path as opposed to the standard bottom right-hand corner, this one's six, this one's nine, but this one's 11% cheaper and has the least amount of disruption, right? Change the conversation. You'll change the quality of your relationship, your persistency, and your revenue.
0: Sell the sizzle, not the steak. Baby. (laughs) Yeah, future pace. Yeah, that's that's kind of it, guys, is, is, is pre-sell them on the idea, get the rates to work in the end, but that that shouldn't be the key determinant factor. You're going to fall short, and you're just going to become a rate just like anybody else, and they don't understand the fact that this is out there or how they can do it. Yeah, I'm sure people are talking about it, but they don't communicate it well. I didn't communicate it right for you know, first 18 months probably. I just got lucky here and there because the rates worked out, but I became just a commodity – and you can't do that on a self-funded standpoint because it's a different strategy. What do you say, Mike?
2: I would agree. And I've definitely, I, I've been right there with you. You know, it took uh, it took a while for me to alter the strategy. I mean, especially early on, I would, like Craig just pointed out, you know, we give people information overload, you know, I mean, even a CFO who's been around and done self-funding a lot, you know, they don't get into the weeds like we brokers do. And and it's important to understand that, you know, less is more most of the time. You know, when I used to coach uh football, we always used to teach guys that the philosophy, keep it simple, stupid, the kiss philosophy. And uh that's really what you gotta do is just make sure that you're keeping everything conceptually very simple for them to make sure that they understand it. And we try to you know, I try to use both marketing material and uh have the the client repeat back to me. Do you understand that? Can you explain that back to me and make sure that they're on the right track with explaining what I just explained to them back to me in order to, you know, especially if we have multiple meetings with the case, that's what I like to do to make sure that I know that they understand it, if they can communicate it back to me. And I thought graded myself, you know, my business partner and I on how well we've communicated.
0: Yeah. I mean, you've got to keep it simple. I mean, you hit a great point there. The further I went along, the more I made it just sound like a pitch that became, hey, it looks and smells just like what you do now. The only difference is if things go well, we can get money back. I mean, if you keep it that simple, it sounds pretty good. Hold a dividend-eligible plan, a profit-sharing plan. Make it up. Don't call it self-funding. Self-funding sounds scary, and they think I'm self-funding. No, it's partially self-funding program. It's not a true self-funded, 100% self-funded program. Yeah, you can call it whatever
1: you want. That's for sure, yeah. I always recommend you rebrand everything. Don't call anything what it is and... Make up your name for it. You know, you have a program. It doesn't have to be a captive or a coalition or anything else, right? Just call it your program and brand it. Name it, claim it, and frame it.
0: Yeah, make it up. You have you gave me that a long time ago. Just make it up. I mean, you got the Achieve Health Alliance, the Achieve Health Consortium that you can piggyback off of, copy the marketing materials, call it XYZ Consortium that you've built, the self-funded employers that are abiding by these strategies. And we want to see if you can get in this pool you know, we decline nine out of 10 groups that, you know, try to get into this pool. But let's take a look and see if maybe you can qualify to get in a pool like this. Because what type of pool are you in now, Mr. Employer? Well, you're in the, the high risk pool, the fully insured pool, the high risk pool. And if you're running well, and you feel yeah. like you're running well, all you're doing is subsidizing everybody else. Only 40% of groups really belong to leave the high risk pool.
1: Yeah, I'm not here to trash anybody, right? Who you work with is self-evident. Let me get this straight. So, So you prepay a premium, you get no data, little or no data, and every year your rates go up and the person you pay to help you manage healthcare gets a pay increase, right? And so there's little or no accountability, little or no, even lesser transparency. And so in contrast, you could be in a program where I sit on the same side of the table as you, if I don't save you money, I take a pay cut. Not only that, but my money is at risk Based on you and every other employer that's in my pool, as compared to the person you pay to have a fully insured prepaid premium who takes no risk and pushes all the risk on you and gets a pay raise every year. They can count on it like clockwork because they're really the sales force of the insurance carriers. In contrast, all of my compensation is at risk. You decide which one makes sense to you. Having
0: the consortium profit sharing, you can tell the story that you're incentivized to manage claims properly. What does that mean? That means if the pool runs better, I can get a profit sharing. So, you know, I like I explained to my employer when I had actually had risk in it, I said, listen, when there's somebody that's having a challenge with their care or, or claims, well, and I'm reviewing an ag report, I get a spike. In the agriport, I get a call from HR. Whatever, I'm going to jump to see if I can mitigate that claim in any way. If I have risk in the game, and that's that's one benefit of having some skin in the game in the consortium, like Craig talked about. But
1: so Ray's got a question. He says, "Hey, how does uh, how does Mike feel about comparing against the big guys?" Right. So Ray's in uh, New York. He's got Empire, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Aetna United. Yeah, so Mike, if you're still there, comment on uh, what yeah. the story is in the mile-high city of Denver, Colorado, <laughs> and how you're competing against the big guys when you're talking we're, about self-insurance, partially self-insurance. And
2: we're, we're, as John likes to call them, we're a green tree state. So they they run most of the market sub 500 in Colorado. But uh, yeah, so if you're working against them, you know, we're kind of an interesting state, Craig. So Great West told the heck out of there. Level funded product that they invented, and that product obviously was bought by Sigma. I don't know mid two thousands, and that's what probably seventy percent of the employers here have, which uh, which makes it great to transition employers off of that because Sigma does have, you know, probably the most useful set of data that you can get. Still not amazing, but much better than like you know the other level funded competitor products. So what we've been using as a wedge especially when we're competing against them is the fact that the employers think they're already self-funded so that helps us overcome that objective because it's like well you guys have heard of signal. oh yeah that's what they do all the time here and that's how we're typically you know wedging against them is like oh well, you either already have it or you probably had it at one point so it takes the risk factor away for us but I mean I think Craig is right. Like you don't want to pitch against blue cross the way that you're pitching it against, Like I pitched against Signet. You just want to make sure that the, the client knows at the end of the day, they're not taking on any extra risk. I and mean, then obviously with all the, the bells and whistles that you guys can put on the stop loss agreement, I mean their maximum capitated risk can be their maximum capitated risk. And if they want the third party administrator to manage all the money, it's going to feel exactly like what they're getting now. So if you can avoid the conversation of getting into the weeds once again, you can just kind of be like, well, what well, the rates that I've handed you are the maximum that you can get. So you can only do better than what I gave you. And that's how, you know, we typically show
1: people.
0: Yeah. I mean, explaining the difference is key. Ray Cobra's on there. Ray loves to know everything about everything. He would ask me a million questions and told me I've got to make sure I'm honest with my client. It's not a, it's not a matter of not being out. I mean, when you hear Craig talk about his solution, even I at some point was like, when when are you going to actually tell them what, what it is? You didn't, you didn't tell them anything. He tells them as little as possible, as much as they need to know to get them interested in the outcome.
1: Because you don't even a lot of yeah, times well, say gotta, what it is. You got to wet their beak. You know, you can't prematurely get to the punchline of the joke and nobody will get the joke. Right? So everything in its own due time. I mean, that's all.
0: Yeah, you can't go too fast. But we tend to get excited because, like, (laughs) I got the the answer for you. I got the strategy. Let me tell you. Let me tell you.
1: Let me tell you what you should be doing. Hey, one of our clients that we've had for years and years who uh, is, you know, one of the largest sports brands in the world, he told us one day three years ago, he goes, you know, it doesn't matter what I say. My Mercer rep will tell me. Well, the answer is a high deductible health plan with an HSA because it doesn't matter what I say. They always say the same thing. I tell you that story because you have to watch out that you're really not listening. You're just waiting to talk and tell them about the latest shiny object that you got. Don't do that.
0: I think we'll wrap it there. Hey, Mike, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, we'll, we'll get you on a recorded one to tell the story uh, uh, on a future <laughs> date here. But uh, everybody, thanks for joining us. High Stakes Advising, move the date to August 3rd and 4th. It's going to be a great event. we got Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street, coming. we got some great speakers, consultants, guys that have multi-million dollars, books of business. Going to tell you their story, how they got there, what they're doing, what their conversation is. Next week, we're going to have Paul Seeger on again, who's going to be talking about kicking ass hmm. in the corona environment, cold calling. His numbers are through the roof versus uh
1: now he said it's better than ever guess what happens everybody who's calling the cfo right now uh uh, nobody yeah nobody exactly so (laughs) it's easy to get a hold of everybody now
0: that's it guys keep listening keep learning we'll see you on the next one same place same time peace